0: Spiritual
1: Last week, we were singing a very upbeat song in here, and I looked over at Reverend James and I said, did Jesus actually tell us to be happy? (laughs) And he looked at me and laughed. (laughs) So, of course, I had to go look it up. And according to the internet, which, of course, we know right is true, um, (laughs) there are 231 references to happy in the Holy Bible. That's Old and New Testaments. But when you really do a little bit more research, and I didn't spend a lot of time on this, but um, not all of those references use the word happy. Some of it is blessed. Some of it is other words, other synonyms. And one of the articles I came across said that there actually is not a word in English that is a direct translation for what they were trying to say in in those older writings. Our theme this week is joy and love, and that was running through my head, of course, all week. And I thought a lot about the difference between joy and happiness. Now, I know, that sounds like hair-splitting, and I do a lot of that, Uh, hair-splitting. It's like more than one person has suggested that I would make a good lawyer. I don't think it was a compliment. Anyway, an exercise in hair-splitting can be very helpful if we want to raise our consciousness, because that hair-splitting is a way for us to discover what we really think about something. It helps us to undercover a deep belief. We can only change a belief or a thought if we're aware of it, right? And our thinking can only change from a point of awareness, so we cannot address something until we can see it or know it. So, happiness or joy? I tend to think of happiness as the the outside-in process. I feel happy if things are are going well. I feel unhappy if they don't go well, or not going the way I want them to, or if I don't get my way. When that happens, what do we do? We go in search of happiness. We engage in retail therapy. (laughs) Or we find other ways to soothe ourselves from the outside. And of course, we live in a culture that seems to think we're supposed to be happy all the time. I cannot tell you how many people in my life have walked by me and they will tell me to smile. I am not unhappy. I am probably in deep thought about what Mary Poppins does on a very windy day. And I suspect this is true for most of us. Maybe not the Mary Poppins thing, but the part about we're just being ourselves when we're in our world and we're doing our thing, and this requirement can, to be happy can really throw us off. You know, somebody walks by and says, smile. And I'm like, I'm happy, okay? (laughs) I don't need to be smiling. (laughs) Like I said, it can throw us off balance. And as I said, and then what happens is if we're not happy, we become unhappy with ourselves for not being happy. How many self-help books are there out there on how to be happy? And then, you know, we fail at it, it's like... So for me, actually, happiness is more like satisfaction or contentment. But it's not gleeful, bouncing up and down and grinning from ear to ear all the time. And even then, that happy is fleeting because everything changes. Okay, so what's joy? My experience and definition of joy is that it is an inner experience that may or may not even be visible to others. There's a book called The pra- Practice of the Presence. And the introduction to this book says, in this small book, through letters and conversations, Brother Lawrence simply and beautifully explains how to continually walk with God, not from the head, but from the heart. Now, Brother Lawrence was, <clears throat> was a soldier, and he came home from a war, and we're talking, I cannot remember what century, but it was a one with maybe three numbers in it. And you know, he became a monk, and he worked mostly in the kitchen for most of the time that he was there. And he wasn't the the, the great chef for anything. He washed the dishes. He peeled the potatoes or the turnips. He did what we would consider very lowly work, and he loved it. He talks about the joy that he felt because he cherished that time doing the dishes because it was spending time with God. Cleaning the kitchen with God. He experienced connection with the divine, and he was filled with quiet joy, unchanging joy. You know, and and it is possible to experience joy in even the most difficult of circumstances. There's another book, and it's called The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin. And there's a perfect example of this. Now, she was a Taoist, and honestly, there are parts of that book that I still don't understand because, because of the concepts that she puts out in her stories. But there are two aspects of that book that stay with me, and I think about them often. At one point in the story, these two strangers, well, the, the whole story is these two strangers come together, and they, have to, they go and embark on a journey in order to save both of their lives and they have to go across a frozen tundra, and it is extremely dangerous. And on a bright day, one of them falls into a hole in the snow. Of course, the other person pulls him out. But the reason he fell into into the hole is because there was so much light, there were no shadows. And it was all light, and he couldn't tell the difference between the snow and the hole. Too much light is just as dangerous as not enough light. Without contrast, you can't tell where you are. We need contrast in our lives. Shadows important. And then the other part is, the narrator describes how horrendously difficult the days of walking across this ice were. The cold, the hunger, the feeling lost, the not knowing if they were going to make it. But he says, there are those moments of joy, sitting in the tent at night, cleaning the gear, fixing the little food they had, eating together in silence. That internal joy. Small moments, to be sure, but those are the ones that stay with us and the ones we cherish because they are real. They are our connection moments, and that feeling, that joy feeling can never be erased. They are not fleeting. They are ours forever and think now of one of your joy moments like watching a child do something for the very first time or maybe watching that child succeed at something that they've been trying at for a while and finally got it or you doing something a little a task that for some reason was difficult or didn't work very well and then all of a sudden it clicks in and there's that moment of just joy that fills up your heart. It's not tap dancing. It's not jumping. It was like, oh, how cool is that? That's, that's the real joy. And sure, you may be happy about it. Maybe really happy about it. And then you go out and somebody cuts you off in traffic and to da the happy be gone. But that joy remains. And that you can reclaim. Now there's another book out and it's a brand new book. It's called Near Enemies of the Truth and Christopher D. Wallace is the author. Now this is, um, he, is, um, he is, it comes from a Buddhist um, teaching, a Buddhist perspective. It's an exploration though of how to stop spiritual bypass. Like you know some of the, 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 the buzzwords that we use and it's very easy to just do a bypass with them. And I was really excited about it because I thought I had a, a faith in action book here. And then I started reading it. And I started noticing the, the letters PhD on the front of the, <laughs> the, front of the book. And it write, reads really kind of like a light dissertation. And I thought, yeah, I'm gonna do this and people are gonna come in. A faith in action book with footnotes? Are you serious? <laughs> it's going to be a ra- great reference. I'm gonna make sure that Reverend James gets a copy too, but it's not gonna be, anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff on it and in the very first chapter, Wallace talks about follow your bliss. And it turns out that is a term uh, coined by Joseph Campbell. And Wallace explains that it has been almost completely misinterpreted over, over all these years. Follow your bliss was never meant to mean a person is just to go do what feels good. That's not what it means. He writes, Campbell meant something different. He was suggesting that we follow the thread of our passion wherever it leads, despite any heartache along the way. It's very different. And then he tells us that, that is of a story that later circulated that Campbell allegedly said, I should have said, follow your blisters. <laughs> that is an unconfirmed story, but it, it really makes the most sense. And you know and then he also says he just says that the English word passion connotes suffering as well as love. So following your bliss doesn't mean that you're just going out there la 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 la. Not everybody has what they consider a passion, but we are all called on our uh, to our own path and our path can be very challenging at times. But we're all called to do something. Yet joy Joy cannot be forced, not even this time of year. It can't be forced. And honestly, this is when joy and good cheer can be the most challenging. It's like, we're, you know, there's so much to do and do and do and feel good about doing it all. <laughs> Yet when we go within, we encounter joy in the midst of life. Joy in the midst of Christmas holiday crazy. Joy in the connection with your inner self. Joy in the deeper connection with others. Joy can rise anywhere at any time, in the middle of an uplifting experience or in the middle of a serious challenge. You know, there's so many stories that people tell about being with a loved one as they are making their transition and in the middle of their grief and their sorrow, some thought or action pinged their heart and joy and gratitude flowed out of them. Our themes for Advent this year have been uh, hope, faith, peace, joy, and love. These are not individual ideas. They are all aspects of the Christ presence. And when you experience one, you experience those all, all of them, though one of them might feel more dominant. They're all there. And you might think that you need to feel love before you experience joy. But if you really think about it, or if you really feel about it, when that tiny jolt of joy comes, love also flows through you. And maybe, you just smile for no reason. We think of love as an emotion or a feeling. And I went to the dictionary for that one, because I want to know what they had to say. And all of the definitions of that particular dictionary are about feelings for the outer world, people and things and actions and stuff. The love we talk about in New Thought is not merely a feeling. love is a definite energy that lives and moves and has its being in and through us. And yes, we definitely feel it. One time in my group I said that the difference between feelings and emotion is is that feelings are sensation and emotion is feelings with a story. And that works for some kind of an explanation, but somebody in the group disagreed with me and they said that emotion is energy in motion. That person also had a point. This morning at the 9 o'clock, we had a christening of two young young children. And the love in the room was palpable. The joy was palpable. To have a young couple up here with two young children coming into this teaching, I think we're all going, and it was the sweetest, I don't know, we were all, all, we were in tears. People were in tears. And the thing is, is that, Reverend James has been exuding joy and love about this ever since he was asked to do that little ceremony. Every time I talked about it, he just grinned. And his joy and love leaked all over the staff. <laughs> and it wasn't a superficial, look what I get to do. It was a passion for him. He was so honored to be able to do this. And, and that the parents were so grateful. All of that came from the heart center, and you could see people f- were just filled with joy. I think Reverend James is still filled with joy from doing this. It, just, it was just such an amazing moment, and everyone who was here for that will carry that. It was also very appropriate for Reverend Janae doing the meditation today, because she, no matter what our topic, she's always doing a heart-centered meditation. She always brings us into our heart. And it is in the center, our heart, that's where we can rest. That's where we regain ourselves. That's where we remember who we are and why we came to Earth. And there's a quote by an N.T. Wright, I have no idea who that is, but this really caught me. Our culture is so fixated on dying and going to heaven, when the whole scripture is about heaven coming to earth. Heaven coming to earth is the Jesus story. Jesus the Christ, the master teacher, the light bringer, came to show us how to discover the heaven, the light within each one of us. This time of year is a celebration of the coming of the light for many religions and cultures. The season of light is so much more than parties and presents and giving and receiving material things. The season of light, happening in the darkest time of the year, gives us the opportunity to deeply contemplate the meaning of Christ consciousness. And that's what we're all about here. The Christ consciousness is the purest part of us. We all carry it, and what we are doing here is learning to recognize it. In ourselves and in others. And it doesn't mean that we're supposed to deny our humanness. In fact, the only way we can fully open to the Christness of us is by fully accepting our human nature first. When we try to override our humanity, we cancel out everything else because we're basically canceling ourselves out. Jesus was the example of how to be human and whole and fully aware of the divinity within. We celebrate the birth of the Christ consciousness each year as a reminder that we do not come here to learn how to love or how to find joy. We come here to be joy. We come here to be love. We come here for the joy in being, for the love of being. We come here to carry heaven within us. Love is real. Joy is real. Inside of us, each of us right here, right now. And that is the real reason for this season.
0: We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today, and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center